Central Sanford podcast. To learn more about Central Sanford, including our gathering times, visit us online at centralsanford.net. Today's talk comes from Pastor Alan Brumbach. All right, if you have a copy of God's Word, turn to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6 is where we're going to be, and we're going to begin in verse number 10. And normally we have our little kids' cartoon video, uh, but we decided to share with you Staycation 2020. And if you want more information about that and you say, man, I, I, I don't, didn't get the website down, you can text in to 407 338-4024, and just say, I want more information about that, and that'll, it's our next steps number, and we'll show that here later on so you can see that. But Daniel chapter 6 is where we're going to be this morning. Let's stand as we read God's Word. Even those of you online, you can stand, uh, because we've got four hours of preaching to go. Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 10, the Word of God says this morning, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had a window in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any God or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, were, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till sundown, from, from the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that this is a law of the Medes and Persians, that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his Lord, so that nothing could be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to the palace and slept the the night uh, and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and slept fled from him. Then at daybreak, the king arose and went to haste to the den of the lions. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Now, could you imagine that moment right there? Then Daniel said (laughs) to the king, Oh, king, live forever. Where's the coffee? My God sent his angels and shut the lions' mouths, and they, are not, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you. O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They and their children and their wives, and before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones into pieces. You may be seated. Verse 25, often we don't read. (laughs) How do you live your life when things don't go the way you had planned? You know, you think about 2020. How many of you would like just to go ahead and let's throw some candy out of the door, uh, have a turkey, 
give some presents to people and call it a year and go to 2021. I wouldn't mind doing that myself. I mean, you think about that. This week in Seminole County and in other counties, we saw graduations happening. And some of you participated in that. We had a ton of graduates this year, and we thank God for them, and we're praying for them. But many of them, their, their, their whole life, uh, and if you think of the parents, for 18 years they had raised their child and, and, and they went through school only to have graduation be as weird as it has been. I mean, think about sports this year. Yesterday, for the first time, we saw the, the Major League Baseball play to an empty stadium. Uh, I actually saw in the first inning, I don't know if you saw, there was one guy back there who had a mask on, and, and he was in one shot, and the next shot he was gone because somebody told him to leave. But it's crazy how things have just not gone this year how we would hope. And, and so the question is, how do we live our lives when things don't go the way we had planned. Last week, the question was, how do we continue living as a Christian in a world that is increasingly becoming hostile towards Christianity? Well, the answer to those questions, I think, is found in the story of Daniel. I mean, think about Daniel. If you've read the book of Daniel, chapters 1 through 6, those chapters tell us 70 years of Daniel's life. And, and we see here that if you look at his storyline, it's, it's pretty sad. He was captured as a middle schooler uh, from his homeland. Uh, he, he didn't get to go to the school he wanted. He wanted to go to the University of Jerusalem. He ended up going to the University of Babylon. He didn't get to eat the food that he wanted to eat. He had to become a vegetarian. He, he didn't get a family. He, he wasn't able to have a family because the Babylonians, when they captured him, rendered him unable to have children. He, he had to work for a series of ungodly, narcissistic, evil kings and a godless government that actually murdered his family. So if you think of Daniel's life, he didn't get the life he wanted. But what we read is he lives the life that God gave him. In chapter 6, the Bible tells us in verse number 4 that Daniel was faithful. See, faithfulness is a result of a life of faith. Daniel's faithfulness to God comes from his faith in God. So even as an old man, Daniel never wavered. He kept showing up, and he kept praying, and he didn't back down. And why? Well, here's why. Daniel's discipline of prayer gave him the spiritual toughness to defy the order of the king and trust in the deliverance of the Lord. So that's what we've been looking at these past two weeks. Daniel's discipline of prayer gives him the toughness to defy the order of the king and trust in the deliverance of the Lord. So this morning, we want to kind of follow up with that. And first thing I want you to see is Daniel's defiance. How do we live our lives when things don't go the way we want them to go? What happens what, what, what should we do? What should our response be? Well, Daniel here was a man of prayer, which we talked about last week, but he was a man of defiance because of his prayer life. He had a disciplined prayer life, which led him to defiance. And so in verse number 10, after the king had declared that no one can pray to anyone except King Darius for 30 days, Daniel knew, the Bible says, that he knew the document had been signed. He knew that that was law, and he knew that the law of the Medes and the Persians was irrevocable. He knew that the Medes and the Persians viewed the law of the land as being final. They, they treated the law of the land as we should treat the Word of God. And so they actually elevated the law of the Medes and Persians to the Word of God. And, and what we know is just, if you read the story, and what you know maybe if you were here last week, is that this was a bad law, and it was written by bad politicians, because Daniel wanted to love, he wanted to serve, he wanted to bless the city, he wanted to bless the kingdom. But yet, these politicians, what did they do? 
They wanted to restrict Daniel's worship of God. They didn't like Daniel. They thought that Daniel was a goody two-shoes. They didn't think that Daniel uh, was going to be one of, uh, was, was someone like them. And so what they did is that they set up a law to restrict the worship of God. These politicians were godless and evil. Any law that restricts the free worship of God is evil. Now, here's the thing. What were Daniel's options? I mean, if you go from verses 1 through 9, Daniel knows that there's this law. What were Daniel's options? Well, option number one is Daniel could have ran. Okay, he could have ran away. Now, he's in his 70s, 80s, maybe even his early 90s. He's pretty old to run away. Two is he could have compromised, and he could have just said, you know what, I'm not going to pray for 30 days, and I can, at the end of 30 days, I can ask God to forgive me because at the end of this, I'll be the prime minister of the land. Third is he could have protested, maybe started a movement and got his own hashtag and went on the streets and called CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and could have just made a big scene and had a bunch of people support him. Four, he could have just prayed privately. He could have just went into his closet instead of opening the windows and could have just privately prayed and publicly could have just followed along. The fifth thing he could have done is he could have killed himself. He could have said, you know what, I'm done with this. There's nothing else I can do. I'm just going to kill myself rather than disobey God. Or six, is he could pray publicly because he ultimately knew where he was going. Well, what did Daniel do? Well, we know that Daniel responded with faith. He didn't respond with fear. He went into his house, kneeled down in front of open windows, got on his knees, and he prayed. And he prayed publicly to, the witness, to be a witness to the glory of God over the glory of the king of this world and the kingdoms of this world. See, what you notice about Daniel is that he did not change anything that he was doing. He didn't change his prayer life to accommodate the culture. What he did, the Bible says in verse number 10, is that he gave thanks, not to the king, but he gave thanks to God three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, as the Bible says, as he had previously done. As he previously done. You know, I, I heard uh, a pastor say this on this text, and it really kind of shook me to the course. I'm going to ask you this question. Would your current prayer life get you in trouble if you were Daniel? Would the way that you pray right now, would it get you in trouble like it got Daniel in trouble? See, Daniel was an old man, and he had long obedience in the same direction, and he was not going to change regardless of whatever the crisis was. You know, many of us, when we're in the crisis, we change. Well, here, Daniel was not going to compromise, and he wasn't going to change with the crisis because he had been far too long with God to turn back now. So what we see in this passage is that Daniel obeyed God and left the consequences to God. Now, again, Daniel had no guarantee that, that, that he would be delivered. He had no guarantee of anything that was going to happen, but he trusted God. I mean, Daniel didn't grow up in Sunday school hearing about Daniel in the lion's den and Daniel being delivered. He didn't have that. He just trusted God because here's what he knew, and this is a good word, okay? He knew that God would either deliver him through the lion's den or from the lion's den. He knew that. He knew that either God was going to deliver him through it or he was going to deliver him from it. If you remember just a few chapters before uh, this story in chapter number three, there were three Hebrew children, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And, and these were the three Hebrew children. And, and they uh, were, were given uh, the summons. It was a law by Nebuchadnezzar that you were to bow down and worship this golden statue. And if you don't bow down, you are going to be burned in the fiery furnace. And what did those three Hebrew children do? When the, when the music came on and everyone in the entire country were bowing down and worshiping a golden image, 
what did they do? They didn't bow. They didn't bow, and guess what? They didn't budge. And they stood before the king, and the king said, you need to do it. And they blew the music again and gave them a second chance, and what did they do? They didn't bow, and guess what? They didn't budge. And the king says, you're going to go into the fiery furnace. And they stood before the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, and they said, we know that God can deliver us. Verse 18, we know that God can deliver us, but if he does not, we are still going to trust in him. That, listen, let me tell you something. As believers, and especially as I think, as I've shared with you over these past few weeks, that persecution is coming, we have to have as believers an if-not clause in our faith, that we can trust and believe that God can deliver us, but if he does not deliver us, we're going to trust him anyway. And guess what happened to those three Hebrew children? They didn't bow, they didn't budge, and guess what happened? They didn't burn. They didn't burn. There's an old Scottish pastor. He's actually old, but there was a Scottish pastor who was a missionary uh, to, uh, to tribal people. His name was John Patton. In the 19th century, he was, uh, was a pastor of a church, and the church was doing just splendid in Scotland. And yet he had this burden for a group of people uh, in the Pacific Islands uh, uh, called the New Hebrides. And, and this island, if, if you know anything about this, this group of people in the 19th century, is that the island was inhabited by cannibals. These are people who had a history of eating foreigners who came on the shore. It was a delicacy, I guess. And so no Westerner really survived when they got on the New Hebridean Islands. And, and no one knew the language of the people. So you think about that. God has put on this young guy, John Patton, a burden to reach a people that no one really could speak their language. And if you stepped on their shores, they would eat you. I mean, how do you start a church with that? You definitely don't go door to door. <laughs> Well, we hear the story. I mean, if you know the story, John Patton resigned from his church, and he was determined to go, and he went out to solicit support, and everywhere he went, people were discouraging him from going. One of his seminary professors said to him, here's what he said, quote, you are leaving a work in which God has made you greatly useful only to throw it away for cannibals. One old deacon in his church, and there's always one old deacon, amen? One old deacon said, son, the cannibals... You will be eaten by cannibals. Why are you going? And here's what Patton responds. He says, Mr. Dixon, you are advanced in years now, and your prospect is soon to be laid in the grave, there to be eaten by worms. If I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it will make no difference to me whether I'm eaten by cannibals or by worms. <laughs> There's defiance, right? Well, let me just tell you, when Patton went there, it wasn't just gee whiz and hallelujah. It was brutal. Did you know that his wife died bearing, giving birth to their first child on that island? And Patton had to sleep on their grave for four nights to keep the cannibals from digging up those bodies and eating them. The, John Patton was under constant siege day and night, always on the lookout for his life. But finally, if you know the story, breakthrough came and the Holy Spirit came and people began to be... Christians. And, and there was this one uh, story in his biography in which he, or in which he says that one of the, the chiefs of, of, the, of the island came to him, and he became a believer. And, and he said to him, uh, he says, when you first got here on this island, who was that army that guarded your hut each night? Well, we know who that was, right? You know, when he arrived in 1858, there was not a single Christian on that island, but he died 35 years later, and there was not a single islander who had not professed faith in Jesus Christ. He was defiant. He stood up. 
He says, listen, it doesn't matter to me if I get eaten by cannibals or by worms, I'm going. And that's Daniel here. Daniel here publicly disobeyed, and we talked about civil disobedience last week, and he publicly disobeyed the commandment of the king, and all of this was watched by his critics. Your critics are always watching you. And what do they do? Immediately, they go and tattletale on him. They go immediately to King Darius, and if you read this, it was as if the king signed the petition in the morning, the injunction in the morning, Daniel prayed at noon, and the charges were brought to him that evening. The king here would then, if you read the story, would reaffirm that the law that he had written was legit. And now these politicians, these crooked politicians, now came to be code enforcers on Daniel. So if you read verses 14 through 16, Darius understands that he had gotten duped. And he spent the rest of the afternoon trying to figure out what he could do. How could he find a loophole to save Daniel? But there was none. And so the Bible says that Darius had Daniel thrown in the lion's den. Now, I want you to understand, these were not cuddly little cubs, okay? These were real, full-grown lions. Now, if you've ever gone to the animal kingdom and ridden on the safari ride, you have that one moment, if you've ever been there, where you see those lions there, and they always look half asleep, and and they sleep all day long. Well, here these lions were real lions, and they were starved by their executioners. And so in this time, in this day, there were two really horrible forms of of death. One was crucifixion, believe it or not. It started with the Persians and the Medes. And then the worst form was to be eaten alive by lions. Well, Darius is going to put old Daniel in. And before he does, he says, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. Isn't it interesting that even Darius recognized Daniel's consistent walk with God? See, Daniel was the same person in private as he was in public. And, you know, that's why they didn't like him, because they weren't like him. See, they, they maybe were smile to your face but stab you in the back type people. Have you ever met anybody like that? Well, here Daniel was consistent. He had a consistent walk with God. He loved God, and he loved people, and he wanted to bless the people. And guess what they thought of him? They thought he was weird. And what did I tell you last week? They're going to think you're weird too. If you are genuinely loving people with no strings attached, if you genuinely care for people. You know, I was sitting there talking to somebody this week, and did you know that the early, during the bubonic plagues, that it would be the Christians who would go into the cities and care for the dying, while all the other people would leave the cities and take care of themselves. And, and people, you're crazy. There's going to be people that think, you're crazy, but that's Okay. Because what we see here in the midst of all of this is that Daniel was weird to some so that he could witness to others. And who was he a witness to? He was a witness to the king. And you may be weird to some people. I don't, I'm not telling you you've got to be a weirdo. You don't have to be odd for God and call it a badge. You know, some of you are just plain weird. Christianity just makes you weirder. <laughs> but being, you may be seen to be weird by some so that you can witness to others. And that's what... That's what Daniel does here. He witnesses to the king, and he gets thrown in. Now, I want you to think about this. Remember we talked last week about Daniel's prayer life. Daniel had an amazing prayer life. He was consistent. And you would think, if he's such a strong prayer warrior, why did he get thrown in the lines then? Like, if if he was a man, I'm sure, no doubt, he probably prayed, oh, Lord, please don't let me be the lion's dinner. (laughs) Maybe he didn't. I don't know. But you would think, Why is it that if he is praying 
for so, so hard, for so long, such a consistent walk with God, why is he being thrown into the lines then? And here's what I want you to learn. Daniel's prayer life prepared him for the lion's den. Now think about that. Some of us think that prayer is all about us getting God to change our future. And so I'm going to pray so that God will change my future so that it'll be a future that I like. And so we kind of think in our mind, well, God, I'm going to pray to you so I can have my will done on earth. But, but listen, here's what I want you to understand. Prayer is not so much about God changing your future as it is God preparing you for your future. You know, often we pray for God to do things to change our future, and when he does it, what do we do? We get upset. But I want you to understand that you may be praying for things for years. You, Daniel prayed for years for a lot of things, and you may be praying for years for a lot of things. And it may not happen, or it may not happen how you think. But I want you to understand that God is not failing you. He is preparing you. See, we don't just declare to God our future and say, this is what I want. What we are called to do is to trust God with our future. I want you to understand this. God does not need our prayers. We need our prayers, and prayer changes things. And I believe that God is, uses prayer as a means to real things happen because we pray. But I want you to understand that the main thing that prayer changes is you and me. And so if you're struggling with worry, if you're struggling with, with fear, if you're struggling with panic, the only remedy for panic is prayer. And so what we see here is that Daniel was thrown in. We don't know all that was said. We don't know all the commotion. But we know here that he was thrown in. And the Bible says that there was a stone that was laid on the mouth of the den. Keep that in your mind. This was most likely a cave that was on the side of a hill. And the entrance had a stone to cover it. And there was a hole on top of the hill that probably had a little grate to look down on. It was a pit. And so Daniel was probably lowered into that pit. The stone was covered, so the lions are in. The stone is, is now covering the, the exit for everybody. Daniel is lowered in. And the Bible says here that the king tried to sleep, but he couldn't because he had, he had all this stuff in his mind. He was worried about Daniel. What's going to happen to Daniel? So the king had a sleepless night. And if you think about it, probably the politicians, they stayed up all night partying. So the king isn't sleeping. The politicians, they're partying. They're not sleeping. The only one in this whole story that gets any sleep is Daniel. <laughs> and that leads us to the second point. That's Daniel's deliverance. In verse 19 through 22, the Bible says that in the morning, he ran down to see what happened. The king does. And he yells, Daniel, did your God deliver you last night? Daniel yells back, oh, king, I'm alive. I hope you brought Starbucks. What happened, Daniel? Well, God sent his angel, and the lions didn't touch me. So instead, here's what happened that night. Daniel was lowered down. He was relaxed. What he did is he pulled up one fluffy lion and put him right there. He picked another lion up, put him right there, one for his pillow, one for his feet. He got his Old Testament out. He laid there, and he read between the lions. It's an oldie but a goodie. <laughs> he says God, God sent his angel. 
Now, the word here is his messenger. There's a lot of speculation over who that was. Uh, Many think that it was the angel of the Lord that you also maybe see the one likened to the Son of Man in Daniel chapter 3 with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Some people believe it was one of God's archangels. Maybe it was Michael or Gabriel. We don't know. Some, many of it, many believe believe it's the pre-incarnate Jesus who came there. One commentator said about this, that when Daniel was lowered into the lion's den, the lion of the tribe of Judah showed up in the lion's den and all the other lions shut their mouths. So this may have been a Christophany where Christ has appeared. The Bible says in verses 23 through 25 that Daniel comes out of the pit without any harm. There's no scratch. He is vindicated. He is declared innocent. There was no kind of harm found on him. The Bible says, I love verse 23, because he trusted in his God. Because he trusted in his God. Now, some have argued that the reason that Daniel comes out of the lion's den without a scratch is because the lions weren't hungry. Seriously. I've read that in commentaries. The lions were, the liberal commentaries. The lions weren't hungry. Well, if you believe that, then what do you do with verse 24? Because when Daniel was vindicated, the king then gathered all those wicked, crooked politicians and their families and threw them into the pit. And the Bible says that even before their bodies hit the ground, the lions devoured them. Now, I know that that's not a part of the story that you learned when you were growing up as a kid. That's not in the kid's storybook Bible. That's not shown in flannel graph. Could you imagine what that would look like on flannel graph? It would be really weird. But it was something that shows you the vindication. And I'll tell you, let me just, a little side thought, that in this day, if you committed a horrible crime, families would be punished together. The sentences would be carried out the same day, and it would be done to discourage evil behavior. And here's one thought. I wish this was an original thought, but, but it's not. But I don't really know how much original thoughts there are out there. And if you have one, I want to hear it. But here's a thought. As the dad goes, so goes the family. Because these evil men schemed and lied and manipulated because they wanted to stop the worship of God. Their whole families were destroyed. Men, what you do matters. And your families will follow you whether you like it or not. But that's not the moral of this story. Let's get to the moral. The moral of this story is not often what we think it is. The flannel graph moral of this story that some people will say, maybe maybe many of you in Sunday school had kind of heard when it comes to Daniel's story, is that if you do good, if you trust God and you're courageous, then God will deliver you without a scratch here on this earth. Many of you maybe have heard that. Maybe there's some very famous pastors that get up there and they get really excited. And they tell you that if you just trust God, you're never going to suffer. But I want you to understand, it's not true. Not always true. If you read the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, we don't have time because we're limited in our time. But if you read the Bible in in, in verse 32 through 40, the Bible says that some by faith did conquer lions or did conquer kingdoms, stopped the mouths of lions, escaped the edge of the sword. Some did. By faith did those wonderful things. Even to this day, by faith, God can do mighty things. But then if you just stop at these great noble acts of great men and women of faith that they conquered kingdoms and stopped the mouths of lions and escaped the edge of the sword, you may miss out on the whole story. Because the Bible continues to say that some were mocked, they were flogged, they were put in chains, they were stoned, sawn in two, and killed with the sword. 
Some were delivered on this earth, and some died for their faith. But yet they're both commended. Why? Not that one had more faith than the other. It's not that the person that conquered the kingdom and escaped the mouths of the lions and, and, and escaped the edge of the sword had more faith than those who were mocked and flogged and put in chains and sawn in two. They were commended not because one had greater faith than the other. They were commended because they had faith in God. Listen to me. This is a good word for all of us during COVID-19. Believing and trusting in God doesn't mean that lions aren't going to eat you. It means that if they do eat you or if they don't eat you, you're still safe in Jesus. That's what we have to learn. You may be eaten by lions, metaphorically, but you're still safe in Jesus. See, the story is not about Daniel. The story is not about the faithfulness of Daniel. Yes, Daniel was a faithful man. He had a man of, he was a man of a lot of faith and a lot of prayer. But that's not what this story is about. The story is about the faithfulness of God. Why? Because if you read the rest of chapter 6, who does King Darius talk about? He talks about the God who saved Daniel. He talks about the living God who endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. And he saved Daniel from the power of the lions. He doesn't commend Daniel. He commends God. What for? For God's deliverance. See, the, the deliverance of Daniel from the lions then points us to two deliverances. It points us to the deliverance that God gives us in the future, and it points us to the deliverance that God has already purchased in the past. Tim Keller says that miracles in scriptures, Scripture are never meant just as a display of power, but they are meant to show us the gospel and show us what God is ultimately going to make the world be like one day. See, as you look at Daniel and the lions, and here's what you can understand, church, is that there is deliverance coming in the future. When God stopped the mouths of the lions, it points to the day in which God is going to make all things right. He's going to bring complete deliverance in the future, and the world that has gone wild is going to be stilled, it's going to be quieted, and it's going to be made right. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 16. The prophet Isaiah saw in a great vision that the wolf will dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together, and a little child shall lead them. It points us to the day in which God is going to make everything sad and true, that there will be ultimate deliverance for God's people. But it also points us to deliverance in the past. As we see Daniel in the lion's den, we see this future deliverance in which we will be completely delivered. But we also see deliverance in the past because when Daniel was thrown into that lion's den, it points us to another Daniel. In Psalm 22, the messianic psalm, the writer says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Have you ever heard those words before? Eloi, Eloi, lama sebekthani. Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning. Notice, they open wide their mouths at me like a raving, roaring lion. See, it points us to deliverance that was already accomplished in the past. See, Jesus is the true and better Daniel, who is more innocent than Daniel who was thrown into a real cave where a real stone covered the entrance and went before the ultimate lion, the judgment of God. And God did not deliver him, but he was torn into shreds. 
And yet he overcame and came out of that cave vindicated and triumphant over all of his enemies. What does this tell us? It tells us that whenever situation I'm in, if I belong to Jesus, I'm safe. Tim Keller says that because Jesus went to the ultimate lion's den for us, we can deal with any little lions in our lives. See, the only way you and I can ever be delivered in this life is to belong to Jesus. And I have permission to tell this story, but we have one of our sweet saints, Miss Cheryl Jessup. Cheryl, you're probably watching. We love you, sweetie. But she had uh, COVID-19, and she went to the hospital. And she was in really bad shape, pneumonia, really bad. We were really con- concerned about her. Many of, us, many of you know Miss Cheryl. She, when she's here, she sits in the back row. and every, She's just, just the sweetest lady in the entire world. And she was uh, sent home, released, able to go home. And she was in and out, and just kind of tired and draggy. And she, she somehow, in the morning, the next morning after she was released home, she either heard or somehow saw, she said it was a little fuzzy, but she heard or saw the words that says, Mama went home last night. And if you know Cheryl, Cheryl's crazy. But Cheryl heard or read that, and she thought to herself, she says, Oh, gosh, did I die last night? Because it said Mama went home last night. She said, Am I in heaven? And I talked to her, and I just started laughing. I said, I said you crazy thing. She said she woke up. She woke up more and realized that she didn't die that night before. But here's what she said on the phone. She said, the good news is that one day I will go home. And this is what I think is golden. She said, this past year I realized that I don't have to fear dying. Because when I go, it's going to be so quick and I'm going to be with Jesus. See, that's what it's all about. Jesus Christ is Daniel's God. Jesus Christ is Daniel's deliverer and he's Daniel's savior. And listen, Jesus is the only one who can save you. Whatever lion's den you feel like you're in right now, understand that only Jesus can truly deliver you. And listen, all of us one day are going to be thrown into a pit like Daniel. We're all going to go to the grave. And either you're going to be delivered from the grave or you're going to be destroyed in the grave. Either you're going to be Daniel who put your faith and trust in Jesus and you're going to be delivered or you're going to be like those politicians and you're going to be destroyed. Daniel was delivered because he belonged to Jesus and you and I will only be delivered if we belong to Jesus. Yesterday I was talking to somebody and they said, Pastor, there's just sometimes I just don't know if I'm saved or not. And I said, you know how I know I'm saved right now? They said, tell me, I want to know. I said, because at this very moment, I'm putting all of my hope and my faith and my trust in what Jesus did for me. Not my church membership, not my baptism, not my good looks or my charms. Only what Jesus did. And if you're here today and you have not come to that place where you've surrendered your life to Jesus, where you know that you belong to Jesus, there is no deliverance for you. There's only destruction. But Jesus came to deliver you. And today you can be delivered. Today you can be rescued. Today you can be saved so that you know that there's the deliverance in the future that is bright. So in this moment, what I would like for you to do is everyone just to bow your heads. And those of you watching online, bow your heads. Close your eyes. And I'm going to pray for you. 
And if you're here and you're struggling, we, we get so many messages over people that are struggling. They've lost their jobs. They're worried about their health. They're worried about their relationships. Many people are struggling in their marriage right now and raising their kids. And what you need is you need God to help you. You need Him to deliver you. Remember that if He can deliver you from the ultimate lions, He can deliver you from any lion. So come to Him and trust in Him and say, God, I want to be more, I want to be more like you. But if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, oh, what a wonderful day to be saved. What a wonderful day. Bow with me. Father in heaven, I thank you for this opportunity just to preach your gospel, Lord. As we think about the true and better Daniel, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose from the dead. Lord, give us the strength to be people of prayer, to be disciplined in prayer so that we can have the spiritual toughness to defy whatever this world may throw at us. It's against your word and to trust in your deliverance. We know that deliverance is coming. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Father, I pray right now, if there's anyone here watching online, listening on the radio in this room that doesn't know you as Savior, that God, today would be the day of their salvation. Lord, would they pray a prayer like this, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know, God, that I do things that I shouldn't do and I think things I shouldn't think, but mainly I have just tried to be in control of my life. But I believe, Jesus, you died on the cross and I believe that you rose from the dead and I ask that you forgive me of my sins, that you save me, that you deliver me. I put all of my trust in you, all of my hope is in you. I've got no other place to turn. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed a prayer like that or you need someone to pray with you, uh, you can go to uh, take your next step by texting in to the number 407-338-4024. That's 407-338-4024. And you can text into that number and you can say, I want to take my next step. Maybe today your first step was you trusted Jesus as your Savior. Put your name in that text message. Say, I trusted Jesus. Maybe you want to be baptized this morning after the 11 o'clock. We're doing... A bunch of baptisms. You say, I want to take that next step. I want to be baptized. I want to say I'm not ashamed. Or maybe there's other things. You want to join a small group or you feel maybe God's calling you to ministry or maybe you have a prayer request. Take some time. Fill that out. Do that this morning. Thank you for listening to the Central Sanford Podcast. For more information or how to take your next step, visit us online at centralsanford.net.